3, verse number 1. We'll read verses 1 through 8, and I'm going to be speaking for a few moments tonight on the essential elements of a new birth experience. The essential elements of a new birth experience. We are apostolic, and this apostolic doctrine, truth, and teaching, the new birth experience, is front and center of that. You say that to some people, they don't know what that means. Haven't heard that before, but it is absolutely something that is scriptural. And one of the bedrock verses that describe that is found in John chapter 3, verse number 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We ask that you would direct us through your word, that it would be a strength to us tonight as we stand before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We have had many individuals coming to the house of God, which is very, very exciting. And I am convinced that the more we put ourselves to prayer and fasting and worship, that it is going to be the continued case. And so it's important for us to recognize and understand for those of us uh, who have experienced God's goodness and his greatness in our life, and we have Receive the Holy Ghost. We've been baptized in Jesus' name. We have repented of our sins, that it is a continual process in our life. A new birth experience is a process. It's not a hard start and stop, although there is a, a expediency that should take place when it comes to this experience and this process. It's not something that we should delay, but it's something that should begin immediately in our life, and it continues to operate. I'm saying that because even though we may have been in church a long time, we, need, we still need repentance in our lives as a key foundational thing in our lives. Paul said, I die daily. I think he was making a reference specifically there to dying out to his own carnality and flesh so that the Spirit of God can operate and could be the power in his life that strengthened him and gave him the ability to do what he did in the kingdom of God. We need an identity with Jesus Christ. When we were baptized in Jesus' name, his name was called over us, and so the blood was applied, and there's an identity that is connected to his name. But you can be in Christ from that moment every single day. And every single day, I want to be in Christ. I want to be in his mercy. I want to be in his 
grace. I want to be in the fruit of the Spirit. I want to be directed by His authority. All these things are being in Christ. And so it's not only that baptism starts and stops, but it's a connection that continues to operate in my life. Not only do I need that, but I also need the infilling of the Holy Ghost in my life. I need a renewing of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Every day, if possible, I need a renewing in the Holy Ghost. You should not wait months and months and months, and you should not wait from revival to revival to get a renewing of the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost is operating in your life, it should be something that is a daily experience that is fleshed out in prayer and God is operating and the Holy Ghost is moving. This is what the Holy Ghost does. It's the spirit of truth. It's the comforter. And every single one of us need the operation of the Holy Ghost in our life beyond the initial sign of the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost to operate in our life. And everybody said amen. Praise God. And so there is a man named Nicodemus that comes to Jesus. He is a ruler of the Jews. He is a religious man because he is a Pharisee. So he was one, he was part of one of the religious groups in, that arose during the intertestamental period. What is that? Well, that's the period in between when the Old Testament closes and the New Testament begins. There was a period, 400 silent years. There is no prophet that speaks. There is no voice. And so there became an intensity in terms of studying the scripture during the intertestamental period. That is why there is a rise of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There's no prophet, there's no voice, and so they, they intensify their study and their efforts because there is silence. And so they morph into the word of God and they in some cases even elevate the word of God to being a God even above a God that comes in the flesh and they don't even recognize them because they're so intense in this study of scriptures. And so during the intertestamental period, this is where the Pharisees and the Sadducees originate. And Nicodemus was part of, the, and you can imagine after 400 years of there not being anything, all of a sudden John the Baptist appears on the scene and he starts preaching. He's a weird character and he's preaching repentance and he's calling people out in the wilderness and he's telling them they need to repent of their sins. And even the religious groups go out there to listen and John the Baptist preaches to the religious groups. And what does he say? He says, there's one coming after me that's mightier than I, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I baptize you with water unto a baptism of repentance, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. There is a new thing that is getting ready to take place. And so Nicodemus was part of that group, that, that studious, pharisaical group that comes to Jesus. And he's coming from the typical standpoint of thinking he is spiritually established. He thinks in his own mind he is part of a religious order. Jesus has come upon the scene. And Jesus in this passage of scripture here crushes the notion that Nicodemus is okay. Because Jesus said, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This was foreign to Nicodemus' mind. And so Jesus crushes the notion that I'm, I'm a part of a religious group. Jesus said, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born again of water and of the 
spirit. And he said in two cases, verily, verily, which means he's speaking with authority. And so with authority comes a new birth message, the essential elements of a new birth message in which Jesus tells Nicodemus, you've got to be born of the water and you've got to be born of the spirit. It doesn't matter that you're part of the Pharisees. There is a shadow of sin that is upon your life. There is a taint of sin that is upon your life, and there has to be a change. The most common understanding of sin is the idea of missing the mark or deviating from the goal. This is used in the Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse number 5, Solomon, when he was speaking about the covenant nature of God in Israel, and forgive thy people that have sinned against thee in all their transgressions, wherein they have transgressed against thee, and give them compassion before them who carried them captive. And so he is saying that we as a people, we have missed the mark. We have deviated from the goal. That's what sin means. Sin means straying away from the correct path. Ezekiel talks about my sheep wandering through all the mountains and upon every high hill, and my flock was scattered upon the face of the earth. This is sin. Nicodemus, you're standing, and there is a shadow of sin and a taint of sin in your life. And just because you think you're religious, it's not enough. You have to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. In the New Testament, missing a target or taking a wrong road is how sin in many ways is described. It's a concrete wrongdoing. It's a violation of God's law. It's the ruling principle in life. Paul said in Romans chapter 6 and verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. We are not to yield our members as instruments of unrighteousness, but we are to yield ourselves as members and instruments of righteousness. Praise God. Anybody want to be used of God here in the house of God tonight? Anybody interested in being righteous instead of being unrighteous? There's a world that's interested in being unrighteous. And there may be even some folks in the church that's interested in being unrighteous. But I pray there's a majority that says we want our members to be instruments of righteousness. The most characteristic feature of sin in all of its aspects is that it is directed at God. It's directed at God. And this is the reason for sin's diversity of forms and activities and temptations. It is a violation of God's glory and which what God demands. And so it is a contradiction of God. And ultimately, sin's goal is conquest. It wants to rule you. It wants to conquer you. This is why I hate sin, because it will absolutely pile drive an individual to the basest and to the 
bottom of depravity. But thank God there is a gospel message that still saves. And there is a new birth experience that still works. The Bible never ever loses a note of hope and optimism when dealing with sin. There's always an opportunity. The heart of the scripture and the witness of God's mighty offensive against sin in redemption centered in Jesus Christ, the last Adam, the word that becomes flesh is that I'm going to be the savior of sinners and the cross is going to overcome. Oh, I'm thankful for Calvary here tonight. None of us would even be in this building if it were not for Calvary. Calvary says no matter what sin tries to do and no matter how it tries to conquer, there is something that's greater than any temptation, than any sin, than any obstacle, than any dysfunction, than any failure. There is something called Calvary and the cross. There is something called the blood of Jesus Christ that washes and cleanses and renews and wipes away the shadow and the taint of sin so that you can lift your hands tonight and say, God, I thank you. I don't have to leave this place the same way, but I can walk away changed and renewed. Praise God. And So the cross conquers and overcomes sin in its rebellious, usurping authority. And it vanquishes sin. Its absurd claims become exposed in Calvary and the cross. Its foul machinations are unmasked and overthrown in the cross. The terrible effects of the fall in Adam are counteracted and undone. There is no separation from God anymore. You have opportunity to be connected to him. And tonight in this place, there is a connection and anointing that I have felt in this place. Praise God, that is valuable. God's honor in the cross is vindicated. And his holiness is satisfied. And his glory is extended through what? Through the cross. This is why it's a powerful saying when John sees Jesus coming and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. How's he going to do that? He's going to do that through the power of the cross. This is the good news and this is the gospel message. This is why the gospel of Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You should tell somebody about your testimony. If you got a testimony, you should tell somebody, my, you should have seen me, been introduced to me before I met God. I was a mess and a failure and undone. But after God did a work in my life, and if he can do it for me, he can certainly do it for you. Praise God. This is why in Luke, in his gospel, in chapter 4 and verse 18, Jesus said these words, the spirit of the Lord is upon me 
Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 3, Paul said to the Corinthian church, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Praise God. And so there is a, there is a state, a degenerate state, even in Nicodemus, who's coming as a member of the Pharisees to Jesus. And Jesus reveals to him that this gospel message is directly connected and tied to a new birth experience. You must be born again of water and of the spirit. If there's ever a place you can take somebody and you can introduce the gospel to them, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Here it is. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died. Everyone say died. Died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he was Buried. Everyone say buried. And that he rose again. Say rose again. The third day according to the scriptures. There is a death, there is a burial, and there is a resurrection. It's all connected and tied to a new birth experience. It's not enough just to confess some things. You've got to be born again. And it was so important that Jesus said not once to Nicodemus, but he said it twice. He said, you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. There's a new birth experience, and there are some essential elements of that new birth experience that must be a part of our salvation journey. I want to go on that journey. I want to get in the midst of that journey because living for God is a great thing. Living for God is an amazing thing. God will do miracles, signs, and wonders with your life. Praise God. It's directly connected and tied to a new birth experience. And so it is to a new birth experience in which sin is vanquished. You know what sin really does in the life of an individual? It aborts. And the good news is that through a new birth experience, that old life that you were born into, that fallen world in which sin tries to murder every purpose that you've got, tries to destroy every bit of destiny in your life. Through a new birth experience, God says, I'm going to correct that, I'm going to change that, and I'm going to reset some things in your life. Praise God. I'm thankful that God continues to work with us and on us. I'm glad he doesn't leave us where we were, but he pulls us out of that kind of stuff. The songwriter said he pulled me out of the deep and the miry clay, and he established my feet on a rock to stay. You're not standing on something that is failing. You're standing on something that is true, 
that is structurally sound, that'll be with you through difficult times, tumultuous times, turmoils in your life. There's an anchor that will hold. And so Jesus explains this truth to Nicodemus and to the world. You must be born again. That gospel message is connected to that new birth experience. There has to be a repentance. There has to be a walking away. Not, not a feeling of being sorry, but a turning around, a complete alteration of the basic motivation and direction of one's life. You've got to repent of those things. You've got to do a 180, and you've got to go a different direction. Luke really emphasizes this in his gospel. I'm not saying this just because it's a fabrication of my own mentality. I am talking about the scripture, and it is scriptural to know that repentance is something that God requires of us to conquer sin. You're not going to conquer sin by just making a confession. You're going to conquer sin by identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. And you tell me, was the death of Jesus Christ a pretty thing? It was an ugly thing. And death is ugly. And repentance is dying and killing some things in our life and destroying those things and going a different direction. And so Luke emphasizes this. Jesus speaks this. Chapter 5, verse 32, I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Luke 10, 13, woe unto thee, Chorazin and Bethsaida, for if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which had been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Luke chapter 11 and verse 32 said, the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Luke 13, 3, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. It's repeated in Luke chapter 13 and 5. Luke 15, 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Luke chapter 15, verse 10, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Luke 16, 30, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Luke 24, 46, thus it is written, and it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name beginning among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Acts says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Acts 17, 30, in the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. One has to turn away from an old lifestyle, mortify the deeds of the body. Many times it's not pretty, but I can guarantee you there is a load that can be lifted when there's a whole lot of sins left in repentance at an old-fashioned altar where you lay it out before God and you say, I've tried to do things my own way. I've tried to do things under my own will and volition. It doesn't work. I've made a mess out of everything. And so repentance really is acknowledging I can't do it on my own. But I know that there is a God that is merciful to me and is able 
to get me out of where I am as long as I submit myself to him. Praise God. But you, you got to submit. You got to walk away from some things. You got to mortify some things. It's amazing. Paul says in one particular passage, it's just a few words. He says, abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Just a very small passage of scripture, but so much is packed in it. If you're going to overcome sin, you've got to abhor sin. Testing one, two, three. I want to live for God, but I'm struggling. and I'm. The problem is you don't hate sin. The problem is you're still struggling with some of the pleasures that you're still getting pleasures from. If you're going to truly repent, you're going to have to say, God, you take it all. I'm tired of all of this stuff. I'm tired of what it's doing to me, my family, my life, my children, and everything else, and my home. I'm willing to walk away from everything, and I'm willing to give it to you because I can't do it on my own. has to be Nicodemus a new birth experience the essential elements of a new birth experience preceding a baptism of water and a baptism of the spirit is an attitude that says I'm willing to walk away from all of the attachments in my life that the world has attached and connected to me and so I got to sever some things I got to clean out some things so that the Holy Ghost can enter in. And so Nicodemus asked this question. He said, how does a man, we know that you're a man from God. No man can do these things except for you, uh, miracles like these. And Jesus expressed to him, there's a new birth experience that takes place, Nicodemus. You must be born of the water. It's important and the reason why repentance is indirectly in that passage of scripture is because the acknowledgement of sin is what repentance is. You have to acknowledge that, and you have to be willing to acknowledge that. Once you've acknowledged that, how do I get that? How do I remove that out of my life? It's two different things. It's one thing for me to acknowledge some things in my life that is a burden and a weight on me. And once I've done that and God responds to that in his mercy, how do I remove that weight and that burden? That's why there is a remission of sins. That's why baptism is important. And so God acknowledges the record of sin in your life and he forgives you, but it's a process. It doesn't stop and start there. It continues. So my acknowledgement before God, then there is a remission that has to take place. This is why baptism is so very important. And this is why in Luke 24, 47, the two are fused together repentance and the remission of sins. Matthew 28 and verse 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, singular, name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. What is the name of the Father? Jesus said, I've come in my Father's name. The name of the Father is Jesus. What is the name of Jesus? The name of Jesus is Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to send you the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And so it's going to come from me. And so therefore the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus because everything is in Jesus. And this is why we baptize in the name of Jesus because it's all in him. 
And so we find passages like Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. There has to be a remission of the sin. I've acknowledged and repented. God, will you take this burden and remove it from me and remit this off of me? This is why many people will talk about when they go down in a watery grave, they come up, it feels like there has been a lifting because there is a remission of sin. God declares that the record is gone. And so when you are baptized in a name that's above every name, the blood of Calvary is applied to your life and extracts that old record out of your life. This is why Paul said, all things have been passed away and now all things have become new. This is why in Acts chapter 2, 8, 10, and 19, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus the name of the Lord, and the name of the Lord Jesus. You're baptized in Jesus' name. And it's not something that you should wait around. It's not something you should tear. Stop thinking that, about that for me. If I acknowledge the sin in my life, and that's a great weight and burden to me, why would I want to keep carrying that weight and burden around with me? This is exactly why in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, Ananias said to Paul, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. If I repented of my sins, I want to get rid of the burden and the struggle and the weight of it, and I want to identify with the name that's above every name. That is exactly what Jesus said to Nicodemus when he said, You must be born of the water. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not talking about the, the, the water in birth and some theologians have tried to come up with what that means and so they think it's the water in birth and all this kind of stuff. No, that's not what it, that, that, that's confusing. Nicodemus was confused by that. He said, how can a person enter into his mother's womb a second time? Jesus wasn't talking about that kind of birth. He was talking about a baptism in Jesus' name that washes away, that remits your sin. In a name that is above every name. First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 20 says, Which sometime were disobedient, when once the longsuffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water, the like figure, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized in Christ have done what? Put on Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4. There is one body, there is one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all, through all and in you all. Something serious happened when I went down in a watery grave. A huge load was lifted. A brooding presence was removed. And that old generation of Adam was stripped away from me. And God provided a new bloodstream that gave me the opportunity to say, I'm not walking in carnality anymore, but I'm going to walk in the spirit. Praise God. And so there has to be a birth of the water. This is what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Except a man is born of the water 
and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was confused by that. Jesus was speaking about the new birth experience. He was speaking about the gospel. And he said, not only must you be born of water, but you must be born of the spirit. John chapter 1 and verse number 5. John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. This is Acts chapter 1 and verse number 5. Chapter 1 and verse 8 of Acts, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38, Peter preached unto them and said, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. I'm talking about a new birth experience. I'm talking about a a experience and a birth that includes a birth of water and a birth of spirit. It doesn't start somewhere. You get yourself in a lot of trouble when you start determining, well, where does salvation begin and stop? After repentance, after baptism, it takes a new birth experience that is a process that God is working in you. You must repent. You must be baptized in Jesus' name. You must receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is a gift. It gives you the power then to be an overcomer. It gives you the ability to say, I don't have to be ruled by the same passions in my old lifestyle because things have changed. There's a major, major game changer, and it's called the Holy Ghost in my life. I'm thankful for a new birth experience. I'm thankful for a gospel message that works, still changes lives and individuals. I'd like to know if there's anybody in this place tonight still excited about telling a world, you got to repent, and it's a good thing. You got to be baptized in Jesus' name, and it's a blessed thing. The Holy Holy Ghost is going to come and it's going to be a power and a strength in your life. Somebody needs to stand to your feet and say, this is what the world needs to hear. Somebody needs to clap your hands and say, this is exactly what pulpits need to preach. Oh, let's worship him together. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. God, we need the Holy Ghost. We need to walk in the Spirit. We need to walk in Christ. We need your anointing in our life to direct us in Jesus' name. These are essential. Remain standing, if you would. These are essential elements of a new birth experience. Praise God. You say, well, we've heard this. You better never, ever get tired of hearing this. church is identified by what I'm preaching here. There should still be a thrill about seeing somebody baptized in Jesus' name and the Holy Ghost coming down in a powerful way. Oh, 
there should still be something that pounds in our chest when somebody walks to an altar and starts repenting of their sins and saying, God, I want to walk away from all of this addiction and dysfunction. There should be something that makes us joyful and happy about that. And there should also be a great thrill when people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. These are the essential elements of a new birth experience. Praise God. And an apostolic church was born, born preaching this message. There are individuals that say, you know, y'all, y'all so elementary. You just preach the same thing over and over and over. I'll tell you, there's a danger in getting too theological and trying to find stuff and, and trying to be sensational about stuff. Uh, the thing that, that works is this message. That's what works. It works. It's powerful. It changes lives. It transforms lives. Hallelujah. So let us be committed to it. And let's see God have revival among us. Praise God. If you're here tonight and what I'm telling you is something that maybe you've never heard before, I, I want to challenge you. Let these essential elements of a new birth experience operate in your life. It will radically transform your world. Repentance is a good thing. Baptism in Jesus' name is a necessary thing. The infilling of the Holy Ghost is a powerful thing. Jonathan, you're nodding your head. It's absolutely true. It is absolutely true. Let's break out and let the Holy Ghost have his divine way and see God do great things. I want us to lift our hands and lift our voice tonight in conclusion. Let's magnify the Lord and expect that God's going to continue to reach individuals and people of this city, God. You're a God that draws and you're a God that empowers us to say what needs to be said. We thank you for a testimony that you've given and we thank you for an anointing of God. It is in our life, and we ask that you would direct us and keep us in a message of truth. The wise man said, by the truth. By the truth, and Sell it not. Hang on to it with tenacity. Amen. And tell somebody else about God's goodness. Lord, we thank you and praise you tonight. I thank you for everybody that's gathered together in this house tonight. What a great service in this place tonight to see you do signs, miracles, and wonders because that's, that's what has taken place. On a Bible study night, you've done signs, miracles, and wonders. We pray that you continue to direct. I pray that those individuals that are seeking the Holy Ghost, that they would seek it with fervency. They would step into that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Individuals wondering about baptism, let there be no delay, but let us identify with your power and your ability. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Every service we try to at some point incorporate.